Welcome to another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, the Ukrainian situation, uh, it's at the forefront of, of our minds. Uh, it, it's complicated. It, it's real complicated. And um, maybe in this edition of Rick and Bubba University, we can maybe bring some clarity to what's going on here. Yeah, well, you, you don't want to oversimplify a no. situation, and you don't want to overcomplicate it. There's actually a, a truth in there somewhere, and our guest today is going to help us get to that. We've had him on before, Jim Hawkins, and uh, Jim is very qualified in this area, and he's served uh, our state and our country in many, many roles. Yep. And, um, Jim, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here on Rick and Bubba University. Thank you, Bubba. Thanks, Rick. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, so you, you do have some expertise. You, you spend a tremendous amount of time in Eastern Europe. Um, you, you're a 34-year Army veteran. You, you've served in the armor uh, tank and infantry units. You, you're well-versed on, on Russian military doctrine, which is going to help us in our discussion today. And uh, you're a graduate of the U.S. Army <clears throat> War College, so you got a lot of expertise on world history as far as wars. you got a master's in strategic studies, and uh, your understanding of the geopolitical environment is why you're here today to try to help us a little bit. Um, so where do we begin, Bob? I mean, well, what, 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 Jim, let's, so let's do this. Let's dive right into the topic. Yeah. Uh, when we're recording this show, we're 30-something days since Russia has invaded Ukraine. It looks kind of crazy for them to do that. The, the Most of us feel like the Ukraine was really no threat to them. And Russia has, at least by the documents we've heard that the intelligence agencies have come forward with, they thought this was going to be a two- or three-day war and they were going to be welcome with parades. And it's turned into uh, a quagmire for the Russians. Uh, by their numbers, they say they've lost 17,000 troops, uh, which is probably low. And the country is just being absolutely destroyed. Uh, every building burned out. There's, when this is all over, no matter who lives there, there's not going to be a lot left. Uh, they're going to have to rebuild the country from the ground up. But then there's documentaries out there, too, that are pointing out the history of Russia and almost trying to, to pull a conclusion that we're responsible for them doing this. So we want to break it down and talk about where the real truth to all of this is. Well, sure. Um, uh, we are not responsible. Um, to understand why the Russians invaded Ukraine, you have to understand uh, Russian history and, and Russian psychology, the impact of their history and their psychology. So Russia has been invaded many times uh, over, the, over the centuries. You know, the Mongols completely conquer Russia in the 13th century. See, I wasn't familiar with the Middle Age invasions. I knew, of course, World War II. Right. Uh, but, I, but go ahead with that, because that is interesting. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I'll just hit some of the bigger ones, because they, they've been invaded a lot. So the Mongols uh, completely conquer the country in the 13th century. Uh, the Ottomans uh, attack in the 16th century, get all the way to Moscow and take it. Um, you've got, of course, Napoleon's you know, famous invasion where the, where the winner gets him. Um, you've got World War I um, where they're fighting. They essentially lose Ukraine and Belarus uh, as a result of the First World War. It goes into the Russian Revolution. Um, and then you've got you know, the most, most well-known in the United States anyway, the, the German invasion, Operation Barbarossa, um, where they invade the Soviet Union. And the Soviets lose 30 million people mm. uh, during, during the Second World War fighting the, the Germans. About half of those are civilians mm -hmm. that die from either combat or, or you know, military action or starvation. About, about 15 million uh, are, are Russian soldiers. So this leaves a huge impact on Russian psychology. Um, at the end of the war, the Second World War, obviously the Soviets are on the Allied side. They're victors, and they've got about half of Europe. You know, they're, they've got 
Poland. They've got half of Germany. They had to march through it to get to Germany, so they're already there. And the war right. ends. They stay. They don't go back. <laughs> right. um, they go, we'll take this that's right. <laughs> while we're here. Uh, because the Russians are all about buffers. They want to buffer around Russia. That's what the Soviet Union was in the first place. It was it was a, a, a communist version of the Russian Empire. It was a buffer of countries, Soviet republics around The around, Warsaw Pact. Right, they, around yeah, Russia. Right. So in, in, in 49, you have the, the West form NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, as a counter to communist expansion. Um, and that makes the Russians, the Soviets, nervous um, mm-hmm. there in Moscow. And so they formed the Warsaw Pact in 55, so, which is an extension of the Soviet Union. So you have the, these non-Russian countries that are part of the Soviet Union, first layer of the buffer. Now you've got the Warsaw Pact, Romania, Poland, uh, you know, Czechoslovakia, that are un- Hungary, they're under Soviet influence, East Germany, um, under Soviet influence. Um, and that's the, that's the next buffer, because the Russians don't ever want to fight a war in Russia again. They've, they've had enough of that through their history. So they want to fight in another country. And, and so, there's really a psychological thing absolutely. about that, too, that we've— We've had enough of that. We we do we don't want a ground war on our ground anymore. Ever again. That's right. right. That's right. Got to protect Mother Russia. And and for Putin, uh, there's that the additional psychological burden of you know he was a senior officer in, in the KGB right. uh, during the Soviet Union at the height of the Soviet Union, the glory uh, days, the, and and it's all all gone. And and you have you know the the Russian the Soviet Union collapsing in ninety and ninety one. Warsaw Pact is dissolved in ninety one. And Putin's like, hey, what happened? We were we were we were the other. Superpower in the world, right. and now we're we're nobody. So he's he's protecting Russia by building a buffer, and he's trying to rebuild um, what they had. So that's 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 the psychology that led up to to why they invaded. Um, what you see after World War II with the forming of NATO uh, and the Warsaw Pact is the Cold War period. Well, when the Soviet Union collapses in ninety, Warsaw Pact dissolves in ninety one. All these East Bloc countries—Ukraine, Moldova, Romania, Poland—are like, hey, we want a NATO. Because we don't ever want to be under Soviet or Russian right. domination again. Right. And NATO's like, eh, not so fast. You know, your governments are still a little wobbly. Your armed forces are Soviet style and not up to our standards. So they formed the Partnership for Peace Treaty um, that leads into the State Partnership Program, which to use a, a sports analogy, which I know works on the on this show, um, it's a farm club for NATO. You know, you're right. not ready for the majors. Let's, let's put you in the farm club. Mm. And they partnered each one of those countries with a U.S. state. And that state's National Guard was assigned the task of working with the armed forces of that state, and the NATO would come and evaluate the things that you did together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the whole idea was to westernize, to NATOize, if make up a word, <laughs> their armies. Right. Um, Alabama's with Romania, so that's why I've been to Romania so much. Um, California's partnered with Ukraine. Um, and so I've been on a lot of exercise, been on tons of stuff in Romania, but I've you know, done a lot of things together with Californian Ukrainians and uh, North Carolina has the Moldovans and, um, and, and it became a farm club. That made Russia very nervous because as those countries got accepted into NATO, the buffer's shrinking, right? So now Romania borders Ukraine, uh, it's NATO. Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, you know, right there in, in Russia's you know, front yard. Um, makes them nervous. They've always, the Russians and the Poles have always had a thing. Poland's part of NATO now. So Ukraine is sort of the big buffer that's left. And so Putin went into Ukraine uh, to get that, to maintain that buffer. He wants to make sure Ukraine never becomes part of NATO. Um, and that was one of his demands. Absolutely. Going into it. Absolutely. But, Jim, let's, let's take the flip side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As evil as the Germans and the Nazis were in World War II taking over these countries, Russia basically did the same thing after the war was over. 
So do they do they not see that they were the aggressors and they rule with an iron fist? Mm-hmm. That's why these countries don't want anything to do with them now. Right. So do they can they not see that they basically have mirrored what the Nazis did and are doing now? Well, it's an interesting question because we, we tend to think about politics in America from our filter, right? The left right. and the right. right. The Republicans are on the right, the Democrats are on the left, and, the, and there's extreme edges of that. Um, and if you extrapolate out um, that line, if you think of it as a line, you've got fascism on one side, you've got communism on the other. Right. Um, and fascism, you know, you've got, uh, the, you know, the state is is everything, you know, for the you know, you know, Nazi Germany, you know, all for the, right. for, the for the fatherland. Um, and, and communism, you know, the people are all, all about the people, uh, but really it's the party. But it's not a line. It's really a circle. And so, they're almost meeting on the other side. It's exactly. They're very close to each other. They are ideologically different. Right. But in practice, the execution of those forms of government are very similar. So right. it's, it is essentially there's a great irony that that Putin talks about Nazis, Nazism, and fascism in right. in Ukraine when and it's his cousins. Yeah, they, they're 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 they've met at the bottom of that circle because right. it's not a straight line; it's a circle. So, answer me this: when 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 you think about what what's happening now, why did Putin? And, and I know some of this you may say, well, there's no way to really know, but in in your expertise and your opinion. Why does he choose now? So, you know, this this is really a continuation of a campaign that's been going on for some time. Right. Um, he's been rebuilding the buffer for a while. You've got the um, the Russian uh, intervention in Transnistria, Moldova, in ninety uh, through ninety two. You've got uh, the Russian invasion of, of Georgia when they when they yeah, grabbed that. part of South Ossetia right. in two thousand and eight. Um, they've actually uh, they took Crimea in two thousand fourteen. And there's actually been, it hasn't talked about much in American media, but they've been fighting a war with Ukrainians actually since 2014. The, the, on the Eastern Front. The war in the Donbass yeah. has been going on ever since then. It's a proxy war. Um, but the, the Russians have crossed the Ukrainian frontier before and, and have been fighting the Ukrainian army there. We haven't talked about it much. Um, why he went in now, um, I think, uh, you know, uh, NATO continues to, um, you know, expand and, and talk about, you know, uh, security agreements, even if they're not members, you know, we've certainly increased our involvement in places like like Ukraine. Um, like I know California Guard guys that are there r- routinely. Um, I think it makes him nervous. Um, you know, you also got to wonder if he didn't think the time was right as far as uh, the way politics are in our country right now. Um, that it was a, a reasonable time to to maybe get away with it. They, His age, yeah, they got away with it in fourteen. You know, yeah, um, right. with the previous, uh, with, you know, two administrations ago. So that could have played a factor, but there's really no way to know why he did it now. Yeah, and I understand that. Just to, yeah. as much as you know about what the motivations are and all of that. I mean, some people are saying some of it has to do with, you know, what administration the American people have put in power. Mm-hmm. You know, you do see that he took uh, when 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 the Democrats were in the last time. Trump comes in, you don't see a whole lot going on, or maybe there was more going on than we were aware. You know, like you're talking about, sometimes they're still fighting and we're not paying attention to it. Right. And, and then here comes Biden and he grabs now. Uh, do you think those things are related at all or, or probably not? I think it's entirely possible. Um, yeah. You know, with, with Trump, uh, the Trump administration, um, you see a very hard line towards ISIS, you know, essentially militarily defeat ISIS. Um, you know, um, we, we were involved in the, the Syrian civil war, but to a, reach it, reaching you know, a point where we thought it culminated for us and, and we got out of there. But um but you know, Trump was clearly willing to use use force and in, in, in something that he, he thought was right. And uh, I 
also you can make the argument he was a little hard to figure sometimes. And I, I'm not sure. Was Putin the was. wild card factor yeah, more predictable? Yeah. A, a problem for Putin than the hard line, maybe part I, of. Trump? I think. I think. I, I think there's no way to know that for sure, but that's certainly a reasonable guess. Um, and I think some of the messaging out of the White House during that administration, um, maybe even was intentional. Remember when the, the Iranians shut down that drone and Trump, you know, initially said we're gonna we're gonna bomb you for shooting on a drone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that one became public, and then he, he walked it back and said, look, it was unmanned. We're not going to kill people for shooting an unmanned thing. But I think just letting the world know that conversation happened was right. like, don't think you're going to know what we're going to do because we, we might surprise you. Jim, let me ask you this. The, we talked about the fall of the Soviet Union and the collapse of the Warsaw Pact, obviously because Russia was backing that up. Did, did they ever look at why that happened and go, you know, they – that collapsed because of economics. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they were unable to feed their people. They were unable to get people to. In other words, the whole communist system has never really worked anywhere. Right. Uh, China has done better with it, but theirs is a hybrid. If yeah. we're honest, they're they're sure. more market driven than any communist country's ever been. Uh, they're more of just a, a dictator that says we're communist, if anything. Well, the people so, live in communism. The government participates uh, in capitalism. Right, right. Yeah, the elites, so yeah. so do, do they look back at that and say, look, part of the reason that this fell apart to begin with is we were trying to keep up a military empire and fight the West in a Cold War that, mm-hmm. you know, we just couldn't afford to do. And, and you know, for a lot of the people who's – you know, listening to this podcast or watching, they they don't remember Ronald Reagan, and and right. Ronald Reagan basically played a, a a poker game with them on strategic defense initiative SDI. It was called Star Wars at the time, mm-hmm. and and the Russians buckled. They could not keep up with the technology, and they are wonderful engineers. Let's not. I, I don't want to uh, you know sell them short. They they were the first in space. They were the largest atomic bomb that was ever exploded, and they're very good engineers, but sometimes their economy doesn't back them up in a way that they need to, sure. and that was really their Achilles heel. You know, absolutely. The other economy couldn't keep up with that. Well, communism, you know, the, the thing about communism is it's the great lie, right? It's right. Uh, everything belongs to all of us. It's all, right. yeah. you know, and, and of course, that's absolutely not true. And it's an um, easy sale to uninformed masses. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's that's why, you know, it, it began with the workers, right? And, right? and that was the whole concept. And, and of course, in Russia, uh, it, it took, took, took place, you know, with the peasants who, who right. o- occupied a, a similar part of the, the social strata. But um, so so I don't think you would find any oligarchs, including Putin, that, that draw parallels to what's happening in Russia now with the collapse of the Soviet Union because they're hyper-capitalists, not unlike, right. you know, you talked about the, right. the, the Chinese. The Chinese, you know, are the, are the last major nation in the world that are still, you know, ostensibly communist because they've adopted this blended system um, that includes capitalism and opportunity. Um, places where they haven't, like, like Cuba, it's a complete shipwreck. Um, Venezuela. You know, it's just a matter of time um, because we saw those communist governments fall across Europe. You know, Ceausescu goes down in Romania 89. Uh, uh, You can't maintain hardline communism. You just can't. Um, But but Putin and and his oligarchy, um, you know, they see themselves as capitalists. Yeah. Um, and and they sort of masquerade as as a democracy, <laughs> um, but but they're not. And um, when we come back, I want to talk about the American doctrine after yeah. World War II that began the Cold War of just holding them where they were and let them kind of play themselves out. And did we play that wisely or not? We'll come back and we'll talk about that when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. 
continues. So Raycon, Bubba, the Raycon success story with our audience, I mean, they fall in love with these. Well, they're, they're a great product, Rick. We yeah. get a lot of good feedback about them. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, there's a lot of earbuds out there, but frankly, you know, they, they, they look kind of weird. Uh, they, they are expensive. And, and Raycon said, well, what if we could get you the same quality but, but a little more discreet in our design uh, and, and give you 32-hour battery life, and we, we get it to you for about half the price of the other audio premium brands, and because you're uh, you know part of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, we're going to get you an additional 15% off. But I've also been amazed by the durability. Some of the emails we've gotten about people you washing, know, washing them, them and uh, dropping them off buildings, uh, finding them later, and they're still working. Yeah, if you want to hear the Rick and Bubba content uh, in the highest quality and, and something that, like I say, looks good, looks hip, uh, and is about half the price of the other premium brands, uh, then do this, and we're going to get you an additional 15% off. Go to buyraycon, that's R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash Pod. That's buyraycon.com slash Pod. That'll save you 15%. Get those Raycon earbuds, put them in, and enjoy the Rick and Bubba show in a way like never before. So Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, Bubba, our guest today, Jim Hawkins, is helping us kind of unpack the history of Russia and and try to see if we can kind of understand the psyche of this invasion of, of, of Ukraine. And, and you asked a question going to the break. Well, uh, Jim, post-World War II, I know that our uh, our strategic plan with Russia and, and the Warsaw Pact was to kind of hold them in place. We weren't going to attack them, but we were going to try to stop their spread. We first saw that in Korea, and we, you know, we were trying to kind of fight a defensive war or thought we could. And of course, General MacArthur uh, had there was no North Korea at one time, Rick, because he had invaded all the way to China right. and went into China what right. twenty miles, and that got him in trouble because mm-hmm. the president told him not to go into China. And he said, hey, they're running into China, taking cover. We're going to get them. So it got one of our greatest generals fired. He was trying to not provoke World War III with China. but So we fall back to the 38th parallel and try to play defense. Was that a good strategy? Because we saw that again in Vietnam. We've seen that in some other areas. It just seems like it has prolonged problems as opposed to taking care of the situation. What, what do you think, Jim? Well, that's a tough, tough question, Bubba, because, you know, if we don't go to those places, um, you know, what happens? Obviously, those are both painful experiences uh, for, for those countries, for Korea and for Vietnam, and painful experiences for America, and, uh, and uh, at least in the case of, of Korea, the whole United Nations. Um, we don't really have a lot of options um, once once nuclear weapons are on both sides of of the Iron Curtain, right? Once once the Russia once the Soviets have have nuclear weapons, we have nuclear weapons. Nobody wants to set that off. You've got the whole theory of mutually assured destruction. Um, you know, everybody's racing to have enough nuclear weapons that you could you could totally destroy the other. Um, so you still have the Soviet uh, prerogative uh, to spread Marxist-Leninism across the world. So they're still going to try to expand. Um, they don't want to bump into us directly. We don't want to bump into them directly because of the nuclear threat. Um, the United States, part of our plan is, you know, the whole Marshall Plan. We're going to rebuild Western Europe. We're going to make sure that it can help fight if if the, the Soviet Union invades again. So we're building up our allies, um, you know, strengthening our, our position, trying not to bump into the Soviets. The Soviets are are running around trying to foment, uh, you know, problems in places like, you know, like Korea and Vietnam. And, and these these leaders that, that start these these 
um, what began essentially as as communist uh, initiated civil wars, all trained in the Soviet Union. You know, they they all went to to, to school there and 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 got indoctrinated. So I think <clears throat> we essentially have to go certainly to Korea um, when 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 that that happens. Um, but the, fighting a defensive war, yeah. was that a, did, did that work? Uh, as we look back, was it a bad idea? What What do you think? I don't know what else we could have done because we couldn't really fight an offensive war. Um, we were running around doing some of the same things, you know, propping up the people that we liked, right. who weren't always lovely people, um, you know. But they they were they were counter to the Soviets, so they were anti communist. Uh, you know, you see examples of this in, in in South America. You see examples in in the Middle East. Um, you know, the Shah of Iran, for example. You know, not. Not not a stunning example of uh, of, right. of of American liberalism, but uh, you know, he was our guy, right? Um, right. So right. so it was friend or foe. That's right. We, we, we locked our thing. friends. We we didn't lock our yeah. foes. That's right. Um, so there wasn't much offensively we could do. Plus, you've got the whole backlash of colonialism, the post colonial period after World War II. Um, you don't want to look like you're running around building colonies. So the the, the communists are liberating the world in the name of 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 communism, right? You know, um, so they, while enslaving, yeah, they've got the same a yeah, they, yeah, they've well, got this. yeah. We say the people who love communism and they've romanticized it have never lived in it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. It, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so, so we don't have a whole lot of options. I, I don't think, Bubba, but you know, I'm do the best you can. Yeah. So, so let's look at the situation we're in now with Russia invading Ukraine. What, what do you think? But what you know about the Russians? What what is their their end game? They're not going to say to do anything that looks like a Ukrainian victory. Uh, where where is this going to go? And and what should? Yeah, how does this end? What I know they're not part of NATO, but what should the free world do other than sanctions? We're already doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you think this is going to play out? That's a tough one. So I think the, the Russians clearly intended to uh, to change the regime there. I think I think possibly Zelensky himself even was one of the Things that caused jumping back to earlier question caused the invasion. Yeah, why now? He's such a charismatic person. I think Putin saw that as a threat. Uh, the West w- w- likes him, you know, um, likes him even more now. So that's certainly boomeranged on him. Um, but but they wanted regime change and they wanted to install a puppet regime and take all of Ukraine and, and build the buffer. Um, like and, Belarus is still. Yeah, Belarus how, is you said it a different way. I've always said it Belarus. Yeah. How do you say it? What's the correct? Uh, Belarus or Belarus? I, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Yeah, Belarus. So they, it's essentially a puppet regime. I mean, right. The Russians stationed troops there prior to the invasion and invaded from there. That, they're not autonomous. They they answer right. to Moscow, um, and that's what they wanted in Ukraine. Um, and and part of Russian military doctrine, and it goes back to the Soviet days too, is to go for the big you know coup de main right up front. If we can if we can go ahead and take what we want right away in one decisive action, we can end end the end the conflict. So that's why they invaded from so many different places. That's why they went straight for Kiev, um, and they they underestimated the Ukrainians. And they vastly overestimated their own forces. The Russian army's been reforming ever since the the, the collapse of the Soviet Union, um, restructuring, um, you know, changing their their doctrine. Um, they just haven't been very good at it because corruption is such an issue in 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 Russia. In the Russian army, you know, commanders will sell their equipment, and you know they're still conscripting soldiers, which conscripts always. It's always a challenge to lead a conscript army because you're forcing them to fight. They're not. They're not like like our army. Well, that's what I was going to. Yeah. So there's not a lot of patriotism no. uh, for Mother Russia anymore. You don't. You, or, or has there really ever been? I mean, do you, they're they're there because they don't have a choice. They have right. to do it or face death. 
are, are and 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 the, I saw stories this week where some of the Russian military are taking for you know ten thousand dollars in our money or whatever. They're just handing over their stuff and saying, "Hey, can you hide me somewhere in Ukraine?" So there, there's not the loyalty that you would need, really, right? To, right. To, to to overwhelm somebody. So so they certainly have elements of their armed forces that are that are, that'll fight. And, of course, and are yeah. But but conscript troops typically just don't fight very well. And and a lot of these soldiers are reporting they didn't even know that they were there to invade. They thought it was an exercise. Um, their their logistical system for their army relies on railroads. They can't use the railroads in Ukraine because the Ukrainians have destroyed them. Um, so they don't have the fuel and the trucks to move enough uh, supplies to to keep their troops fed and keep them ammo ammo up. And so they're they're just not doing well. So I think Putin wanted to end taking the whole country, replacing the regime, having a puppet. Um, but the thing about the Russians, their entire military doctrine is predicated on the fact that they cannot defeat NATO militarily, but they can make it so painful that NATO will negotiate a peace, preferably one that's favorable to the Russians. So if you apply that to the Ukraine situation, which is you can't do it exactly because they could have right. beaten Ukraine, but they didn't. So they're going to fall back on the other part of that doctrine, which is they're going to negotiate the best possible peace they can for themselves. So that's why I think you see them repositioning forces. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter that they're pulling back from Kiev a little bit, if they in fact are. They want to keep the Donbass, all of it, not just the separatist regions. Mm-hmm. Um, they want a land bridge between the Donbass and Ukraine, and uh, the Crimea, rather. Um, so there, there's a whole like, a half-moon-shaped piece of, of Ukraine they're going to want to keep. Um, and and I think they're they're changing transitioning their operation now towards that end. Um, they and the also, Ukrainian president has already said mm-hmm. in his offerings what have been uh, you know publicized that he is willing mm-hmm. to be neutral. In other words, non NATO. Right, right. And that that'll that'll matter to them. That 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 is a chip to use with the the, the Russians. What's going to be a hard part for the Ukrainians is they're not going to give up the Donbass, at least not the parts that aren't separatists. Um, there's a lot of Russians in, in Donbass, um, ethnic Russians that don't want to be part of Russia again. Right. Um, and, and the land bridge through Maripol to the Crimea, that's going to be a huge problem because Maripol is, um, Ukraine's major port city. They can't give that up. Um, so that, that's going to be the sticking point there. I, I think what you'll eventually see is a negotiated peace. I think the Russians keep the Donbass. They don't get the land bridge and there's some kind of plan about Crimea in the future where it potentially goes back to the Ukraine, but it never actually does. All right, we'll come back. We'll finish uh, in our final segment uh, with Jim Hawkins. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so let's talk a, a, a little bit about the we, – Bubba, we talk to our, our audience about this all the time. People really don't like the concept of I'm supporting companies that really the way that they present themselves politically, morally, uh, agenda-driven, they really hate me, but yet I'm having to use their – their product because I don't really have a choice. Right. So I just have to scream, I'll have another, please. Yeah. And uh, we all love that. Oh, uh, that's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking, but, but if you have options, then that's different. And so that's the good news about Patriot Mobile. Uh, look, let me tell you this. According uh, to, to the news agencies that we use on the show, T Mobile is firing anyone who's not fully vaccinated. Uh, on the, and, that, and that is coming up on April the 2nd. Now, now, see, Patriot Mobile, you're not going to deal with that kind of stuff. They're, 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 the, they're America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. In fact, they're the only mobile provider that actually still believes in the Constitution. Uh, they offer broad nationwide coverage because, look, it has to be 
good quality. That's there. In fact, they use the same towers as the major carriers, so you get the same great nationwide coverage. But you do get the peace of mind that your money is not supporting agendas that that you oppose, and and you're also supporting your right to free speech. Um, Patriot Mobile has a plan to fit any budget, and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer support. Mm. Boy, you and I. That's a lost art, isn't it? We've dealt with some of their competitors, and customer (laughs) support is, I wouldn't give it an A-plus rating. But, But with Patriot Mobile, yes. More importantly, they share your values. They support organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, and, of course, they take care of our veterans and our first responder heroes. So go to patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba, or you can call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with our code rickbubba. Now, veterans, back to this again, and first responders, you're going to save even more if you make the switch today. So uh, support patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba. All right, so Jim Hawkins, our guest, we're talking about what's going on in Ukraine. We thank you, Jim, for your you know your expertise in this area. As we went into this last break, it, you think there's going to be a negotiation now because Russia was not able to overwhelm them, which was probably Plan A, right? Will yeah, they over time, though? I, I, so it's against them now, right? Because the the West continues to put uh, supplies and 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 weapons into Ukraine. Uh, the Ukrainians have shown. Incredible resilience. I know it's amazing, um, isn't it? And and if you think about Russian doctrine, which is you know to to wear down a state's military and economic um, capability to wage war, not necessarily seize territory. Um, in this one, they wanted the territory, they didn't get the territory so far. So they've switched gears and they're wearing down that military economic, um, you know, capability and will of Ukraine to fight. So so that's why they're bombing cities. They're trying to break their will. They've got a very limited time to do that, and it's also a two-edged sword, right, because they are also potentially hardening Ukrainian resistance. So the right. clock is against the, the Russians on this. We all started watching this war thinking it was going to be short, and the clock was against the Ukrainians and in favor of the Russians. I think that calculus has reversed now. The longer it goes on, the, the more pressure the world puts on the Russians, the harder the Russian economies hit, the more losses the Russians will take. And, and you can lie to your people as much as you want, but when you start having tens of thousands of moms and dads yeah. whose sons aren't coming home, right. word's going to get around, right? So he's going to start facing a lot of pressure at home. G- Jim, I understand. I- I'm trying to put myself in the position of the Russians. I understand we've had a history of being invaded. We don't want that anymore. We want buffer states around us. We certainly don't want our enemies on our boundary. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But how do you tell a country like Poland, who was an independent, sovereign country, uh, they were they were run over by the Germans and then then the Russians, and Russia had ruled them with an iron fist. The Russians are out; they're gone now. How do you tell Poland? Well, we need you to be a buffer. We can't let you join NATO. Or how do we tell any of these countries that you have to? you have to be thrown on the pile of being a buffer state as opposed to being what you want to be. And and if you have the freedom to choose, if you want to associate with NATO in the West, it's your choice. How, how do we, how do we justify that? That's, that's hard, right? Um, right. It, it um, you really feel for, you know, people that want to be in NATO like Ukraine or Moldova um, or Georgia, that, that NATO is just that concerned about, upsetting the, the Russians, um, which is really why they haven't let them in in the first place. 
I think it's possible this war changes that calculus. Um, you know, what, you know I, I joined the Army in 1985, right? And we would fight, you know, war games, including computer war games against a Soviet enemy that was always incredibly difficult to defeat. Uh, we way overestimated the capabilities of their, of their weapon systems. And we actually go fight their weapon systems in the first Gulf War, and it's, they're not very good. I mean, the first Gulf War, the Soviet-made stuff, the Iraqis, they get smashed. Um, and, and, and after the collapse of the Union, we managed to build the Russians right back up there, like they're these uh, boogeymen. Um, and the Ukrainians are just giving them down the road. They can't defeat Ukraine. That means NATO would, it would, it would almost have to go nuclear because NATO would just wail on them. So, so it may change that calculus a little bit because I can't see even uh, a Putin... Uh, attempting to to use nuclear weapons to stop someone from joining NATO, um, and I think I think the West has sort of seen the 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 vulnerability of the Russian military now. Um, so Putin, you can see people join that didn't join before. Putin has made a terrible, in my opinion, miscalculation. I agree. He wanted to show how strong they were. Yeah. I think he yeah. wanted to to manhandle the Ukraine and say, "Hey, you other countries, see what happened to them." But now he's shown weakness. Now, if he was worried about invasion, he's going to have more foreign troops, more weapons on his border than he's ever had, ever. I mean, World War II, uh, Germany, we're going to surround him. I mean, this week we we put another 50,000, 60,000 troops into Germany that's headed that way. Uh, This is – he's totally – done right opposite of what his goal was. It, How it, does he save face in this? A complete miscalculation. I agree. You got Finland talking about joining yeah, NATO now. Finland I mean, never wanted anything to do with anybody. Yeah. Now they're wanting to be NATO. Yeah, uh, You know, it's it's tough for him to, to, to put a good face on this uh, internationally. Uh, at home, you know, he controls so much of the uh, the messaging, um, you know, as, as part of my... <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time yesterday on on Russian websites, um, reading the Russian version of the news uh, on a several, several other things. It's a completely different angle. Uh, sure. there, there's no free media over there telling what's really happening. But so, those, like you said, though, those yeah. those mamas and brothers and sisters and daddies. That's true. That that, that, that you you can propaganda all you want to, but they're going to talk to people that their loved one was lost in this. How long before will. one of their generals that really does have some control? Say this is this is ridiculous. This is enough. You're damaging us. That's a great question. That's certainly impossible. And I've sort of been watching for some sign that because um, there's sort of a, a, a Russian tradition of that as well. This time right. to make a regime change, we've got the guns. I mean, it's essentially you know the army's involved in ninety. Um, that that could happen. Um, that's a dangerous game, though. If you don't, sure, if you don't sure. win, no, you, you know, go. You're, you're in the basement. Yeah, we all saw the Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, what was the name of it? It was really good. Uh, oh, when they were, to... they were going to blow up Hitler and, yeah. and the where they oh, put what him was the table. The name of that? What was uh, the name? Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Yeah, Valkyrie. I mean, that was a great movie. When you go after evil dictators, you you can't you, miss. Yeah, you got to be good. Got to get it. Yeah. yeah. Every time I watch that movie, I think maybe this time they'll do it. Yeah, I think it's so close. Wrong side of the table. We'll come back when Rick and Bubba University the podcast continues. So Jim Hawkins is our guest, and, and we all touched on it here as we're getting toward the end of, of this edition of Rick and Bubba University. You have Putin, who was not able to do what he wanted to do. He's going to, you believe, and, and I, I agree, I don't see another option, that he's going to have to negotiate his, his way out. Uh, he can go home for the most part, and he can do propaganda and all that. Internationally, you touched on it, you're right. He's Now people... It's, I remember this, and it's so much more serious when you're talking about life and death. But when you use the analogy of athletics, do you ever have that team that you're really afraid of? 
and you go to watch them play an opponent that you kind of felt like you could hang with or whatever. Or a homecoming game uh, a homecoming, for them. Yeah. And you look, and they struggled against an opponent, and maybe even they might have even won on the scoreboard, but you, you realize they're not as tough and as strong as I thought they were. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer afraid to play them. That's gonna that's happening internationally and because of the state that they're in. But we also know that I remember Adrian Rogers uh, talking about this when I was listening to one of his old sermons. When the, the Iron Curtain fell, he said, of course, a lot of us were able to go and try to evangelize the Russian people with much more freedom than we'd ever had before, even including these generals you're talking about. And so he said, I go in, I'm sitting down with these generals, and we begin to talk about when Reagan was asked to reduce our nuclear capability, and the Russians would do that as well. Even do away with it totally at one point. Yeah, and, and, and they're telling, these generals are telling this pastor from America, we were never going to do that. Right. I mean, that, that was never going to happen. So how even if the Ukrainians start to negotiate, the Russians have a history of, of saying they're going to do something, so you'll do it, and then they won't hold their end up. Right. Well, so the Ukrainians right now, it's in their best interest to be negotiating as much as possible. Sure. Buying time, right? They get, they, you know, it'd really be nice if they could get those MiG-29s. Um, yeah. But, but all the all the, the Javelins, which are made here in Alabama, by the way, yeah. um, all these missiles they're getting, all this other equipment they're getting, um, you know, they're getting stronger and stronger. The Russians have plenty more they could bring to the game. Um, but So are, that is true? There is more they have? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So And they're not using it because... Well, they've still got a. They've still got. A, it's still a huge country. They've got to protect uh, and defend. You know, <laughs> right. they're, they're all buddy buddy with the Chinese right now in the media. Sure. The Chinese and the Russians never love each other. Um, okay. You know, they've still got to protect that. They. They, they can't just they take all that. They don't away. trust each other. No. They no. just have a common concern of us. Liars don't trust. Don't trust people. Right. They, right. No honor among thieves. Exactly. Right. So. Um, um, so they can't bring their entire armed forces there. Um, they've got a significant portion of it there now, but they could. They could continue to pump into there. But um, you know they're they 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 miscalculated. They've made a mistake, uh, but they're not stupid. Um, and and if you go back to a Soviet doctrine, you know Soviet doctrine on, on a large front attack, they'll reinforce successes. And if you're failing, if you're if you're running into the enemy defenses and you're getting chewed up and you're asking for help, you're not getting it because you're not succeeding. They'll let your unit go ahead and destroy itself um, while while they reinforce the successes. So hmm. so they're not going to keep reinforcing this if it's not succeeding. Um, they'll eventually, you know, come to some kind of negotiation to get as much of, of what they wanted as they want. And if they've degraded the uh, Ukrainian military, if they've got at least a piece of a buffer with Donbass, if if they've knocked the the fight out of the the Ukrainian government, they've still kind of won. They they'll declare they can declare victory and, and they're going to declare and all that. They're, they're, they're going to declare there's, victory. There's the old joke uh, about uh, the article of Pravda where where an American horse and a Soviet horse race, and uh, of course the American horse wins and and the, and they, they they lose. But the headline is uh, you know glorious ho- horse of the Soviet Union comes in second international race, uh, capitalist horse from America comes in second to last. <laughs> yeah. so completely accurate, completely misleading. So. And, and they're very good at that. <laughs> they, they're still wired that way. Yeah, and, and, and that's the way that's the way that they operate. And and you you just now mentioned for the first time they they wanted to to damage the Ukrainian military. Do you think they've done that? Have they have they pulled that off? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we we really like in the West talking about how many Russian tanks and 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 BMPs and and airplanes are destroyed. The Ukrainians are are taking losses too. Um, now, the the advantage is as soon as as soon as it's safe to do so, 
NATO's going to pour stuff into Ukraine um, in, unless, unless the, the Ukrainians do pledge neutrality and are serious about it. Um, but they'd be crazy to. I mean, they, they trusted uh, the West when they gave up their nuclear weapons to Russia. And we promised we'd help them stay yeah. safe and secure, and we didn't. So um, I, I don't think after a, an absolutely unprovoked want invasion like this, the Ukrainians will ever voluntarily disarm um, because they'll cease to exist. And there were theories yeah. at the beginning of this that the Ukrainians may have held on to one or two suitcase nukes uh, that were unaccounted for. But I think it's safe to say now they didn't or they would have used them. Yeah, and well— and and would they even work now? I yeah. mean, you know, uh, Soviet old Soviet technology just wasn't that great. I mean, if you look at the the hit rates of their their precision munitions now, you look at the mechanical failures their equipment, even their new equipment's having. I don't know. I don't know. I'd be pretty I'd be pretty nervous to set off a sixty year old nuclear weapon. Yeah. Um. But don't know uh, where that thing might go. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this in closing because I know we're we're about up against the end of this. Has this shown a huge failure in the UN? Uh, the UN was supposed to prevent wars in modern world uh, to, to be a place to work these things out. The U.N. has been totally inept in this at all, something that it was designed to do. And it, it should, should we just, is that the end of this, or does it need a major overhaul? Well, I, I've, I've never been a big fan of the U.N. It's a wonderful idea. Yeah. Um, right. it, uh, it has never worked very well in practice, um, at, least, at least when you get, once you start letting China and the Soviet Union on the on the on the Security Council, you know you've got you know um, countries where women are horribly oppressed that are sitting on the Human Rights you know commissions. Um, it's just not it's not a functioning practical body for for really anything. It's it's not stopping any wars. It's just I don't I don't have much use for the U.S. The only thing that has really kept peace since World War II has been our strategic ability. Uh, our our nuclear arsenal, really? Can we say that? It has certainly prevented as a world a, war. another world war. I right. think yes, yeah. Nobody nobody wanted to to see what happened if the United States and the Soviet Union exchanged exchanged nuclear weapons. Um, and so there never was a World War Three so far. Knock on wood. But uh, and we'd like to keep it there. And I, everybody thought this was was going to take us there, but maybe for all the things you, we just talked about. It's the reason it hasn't escalated the way that everybody was afraid it was going to. Well, one of the nice things about being an oligarch is you have a pretty good life, um, and and <laughs> falling nuclear weapons um, yeah. are, are a detractor. Yeah. So, yeah. so I don't think the Russians have any interest to start a nuclear exchange. Now, now nuclear deterrence is part of their military strategy. Sure, they'll always say if it gets bad enough, we reserve the right to use nuclear weapons. Yeah. And, and um, it has worked too. I mean, that's absolutely. why we haven't rushed in to mm-hmm. save the Ukraine. Oh, that's why we don't have a no fly zone. Oh, yeah. Ukraine. Putin throwing out, you know, a world without Russia is not a world worth saving. Things like that. You but know, nobody's it, wanting to get rid yeah, of Russia. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of the But that stuff works. <laughs> it really gets people up, up on edge a little bit. Well, the idea of, of nuclear annihilation is terrifying, right? Yeah, it, uh, it is, you know, for, for folks yeah. our age, you know, we, we grew up, you know, under that. My dad was in Strategic Air Command. We lived on, on SAC bases in the Midwest where, you know, we knew if it what happened, you know, we were all going to be radioactive dust. And so it was a very real threat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we all remember the movie. I know it was in the '80s, the day after, oh, uh, yeah. or whatever, yeah. and and they really showed us what that might look like. And boy, that that got everybody's attention. My dad gave me a copy of *A Last Babylon* when I was about ten, which oh, is about my. a nuclear exchange yeah. that I read, and uh, never got. It. I'm still not over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it, it goes back to you know scripture now because and and this is the same version of it. You know, Peter says in Second Peter, he talks about that uh, the world is going to be annihilated. You know, when God. Uh, 
creates, uh, refines the earth, and and he says all the things that we just talked about. And then he says, and the fact that we know that, you would think that we would live our lives differently. The fact that we know that. Yep. Thanks, Jim. You've been a a lot of information today. You've helped us out a lot. We may need to call on you some more. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'd I'd love it. You know I'm a a big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of Common Sense as a superpower, and uh, I'd be pleased to talk with you anytime. Thank you. And thank you for your service. Yeah, thanks, thanks very much. And thanks to all of you for joining us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.